This is Midwesteration, and I'm Freya Bernson. In mid-April, I met with Don Miller, the Land Stewardship Manager for Indianapolis Land Stewardship. We found the perfect log to sit on in the middle of Raymond Park, surrounded by a sea of wildflowers and birdsong. Don shared about the restoration and stewarding work he does throughout the largest city in Indiana. Okay, I am sitting in the woods with Don Miller and uh, I would just like to ask Don to go ahead and um, kind of introduce himself for, for the show and um, talk about what he does and uh, where we are and how he's connected to this place. Hi, I'm Don Miller, Land Stewardship uh, Manager for the City of Indianapolis. Um, we work on parks and greenways and um, we have two staff, um, Brenda Howard, our senior ecologist, and uh, Jake Brinkman, he's our ecologist. And we also have a very sizable ecological restoration firm that's our partner with our work in the field and otherwise with mapping and things. They're Ecologic LLC from Bloomington, Indiana. Awesome. So we, um, the land stewardship got started relatively early in 1992, um, and that's, it seems like that's back before we were addressing climate change and not too much on invasive species yet in, in normal speak, like, not like it is today, but we were formed um, by a new director and a new mayor, and they recognized that there were a number of natural areas in the city and Indianapolis believe it or not is is very fortunate of having a lot of nice natural areas uh, that we maintain today and our maintenance as far as acreage wise is about 2,000 acres now yeah. uh, it started out in 1992 with six <laughs> and um, so we were fortunate enough to have grown over the years and used to be just myself and now we have a staff of three. Um, we're charged uh, with maintaining our high quality natural areas in Indianapolis that the Parks Department uh, holds in public trust and also um, we do green infrastructure work that the city has within the right-of-ways and, and other places. Um, we also restore uh, old agricultural fields so when we first started we inventoried everything and found out where all of our natural areas were and areas that we could expand natural areas and plant and so that's what we did and we've been stepping up the process you know the acreage ever since uh, we have four state state dedicated nature preserves um, in this in the county city of Indianapolis and um, the Raymond Park is where we're sitting now you probably hear the birds in the background it is not a nature preserve but we have a lot of areas that aren't state dedicated that are really nice this is an older growth uh, woodland that's 10 acres Raymond Woods is a flatwood site 
and it has uh, quite a few wetlands within it and off to the side to the east side of the woods there was turf grass and the mowers kept getting stuck in the early 90s so we decided to take it out of mowing and we started breaking tiles found those broke those uh, we did a permanent pond uh, it's not native here it's not something that would be in the woods but uh, the science teachers can use it with their students for dip netting macroinvertebrates and things like that so we put that in we surrounded it with planted prairie so it's a nice open wetland it's got a sedge meadow a planted prairie uh, right next to a woods and there's two schools right next next door so it does provide a good opportunity for the uh, science classes um, so flatwoods is one type we have upland woods well flatwoods is an upland woods but we have like ravine topography upland woods that's mesic and then some of its uh, mesic dry uh, we don't really have any dry forest uh, in Marion County um, and then we manage areas that used to be an agriculture so with the with the woodlands that are remnants you know that's what we have the most to gain that's our priority but or the most to lose excuse me but the most to gain would be uh, large acreages of old agricultural fields that were still left in parks that we did reforestation plots wetland restoration um, planted prairies and um, and some of those uh, some of the woodlots we manage also adjoining the mature remnant woods are regrowth woods so old agricultural fields that went fallow and then it's it's uh, some in some cases you can't even tell that it was a, uh, a field until you go back to the aerial photos uh, back to 1936 you can see it clearly it's a field but some people you know unless you're trained to do so you can walk through a woods and not notice the difference between a regrowth woods but those regrowth woods have the most course invasion from exotic plants that that's what we spend 85 percent of our time doing is uh, combat, combating invasive plants um, yeah then we have an educational component that we're working on and a number of different plans but um, we maintain a quarterly newsletter to let people know what we're doing because it finally got through to me that if we don't tell people what we're doing they don't know anything about us and so we really started letting people know and we have a Facebook account so like us on Facebook uh, Indie Land Stewardship um, we're working on a land acquisition plan um, and that's going to be exciting maybe talk about that later um, and we're also uh, working on uh, how our forests are going to uh, sequest carbon you know how much our forest that we have here in the county sequest carbon so that's in preparation of a potential um, carbon market that I think it's Senate Bill uh, 373 mm -hmm. that's being talked about right now so that's exciting so those were the general types of areas we maintain and here at Raymond, um, 
we have a combination. So we had the woods and the prairie and the wetland, and we just uh, got done planting uh, herbiciding invasives and planting another wetland um, to the south of us. And um, when we first started uh, work at Raymond, uh, naturally it was a turf grass field, now it's a prairie and a wetland, but the edges of the um, the edges of the woods were covered with, uh, you know, packed with invasive um, uh, bush honeysuckle, mm -hmm. Lanicera macchiae mainly, and with some privet and, um, but other than that, I mean, the garlic mustard's uh, pretty sparse in here, and we've never done a garlic mustard pull, but the mature, undisturbed woodlands are the last ones get invaded, so the interior was fairly nice. We still have to go through and we still have to go through the interior and and uh, take out privet and bush honeysuckle and uh, there's a little bit of bittersweet I think in mm -hmm. here and uh, ornamental bittersweet but um, I guess I should lead into how we you know what's our methods and um, you know, when we first started in in '93, basically, it's we didn't have GIS. Now we have GIS, all kinds of cool tools, GPS. You know, so um, I had mentioned Ecologic. So we we worked out a system with them many years ago on how we were going to um, uh, keep track of everything because we have uh, 35 different parks, 2,000 acres. And you think you can remember that stuff till a couple years later. Now, what did I do? What did I use? So we have a, we do site visits. We do a prescription. It's a very detailed prescription with a map. And um, that, and then we put like which months to, to <laughs> which months we're going to uh, tackle what species. And we might come out to the park a couple times a year to target uh, during the right time window. And on this park, we had two consecutive years of mapping. So we just recently, within the last three years, started intensive mapping. So the crews will know exactly where the species are that they need to target. They can walk out with their iPhone and say, oh, right there it is, take care of that. And then we do a follow-up the year after to see you know what's missed and also looking around at interesting plants um, here we have uh, leatherwood mm. um, let's see what's the Latin name for leatherwood it's uh, Durka uh, palustris Atlantic leatherwood so that's it's not a rare plant but it's not found very often uh, when it is found that it can occur in numbers, but that's a neat plant. And then um, nanny berry uh, was recently found this mm -hmm. year, and that's a relatively rare plant for Marion County. So we take care of, of you know, listing the invasives, but also, and we can put that map up on um, on this podcast possibly, mm -hmm. along with our website and other information. So. We do the mapping, we do the prescription, we do the mapping, and then when the crews come out, the day of, they send us a text saying what line they're going to take care of on the prescription and what park they're going to. And then at the end of the day, they do a um, daily report. 
It shows what herbicide they used, how much of it, um, you know, what the mixing was, uh, what the uh, active ingredients were, and so forth. So then, while they're doing all that work in the field, they also carry GPS trackers. Mm -hmm. So we have a line file of everywhere they wandered through the woods. And it also provides us with, if somebody asks, like, what are you doing, we can show them the line files. Well, it's not like other types of pro uh, project management. It's you're wandering natural areas and you're taking care of things. But it's hard for people to grasp till you show them the map of every place the crew wandered taking care of invasives. Um, and then that's taken back, the GPS unit's taken back to their office where it's downloaded and so we have uh, points, polygons, and the lines. The points, um, they record what the early detection rapid response species are that they found in the park. And then we put that in the EDMAPs and um, the polygons are basically drawing the shape around where they've wandered in the park. And then we have a bunch of attribute fields like what day was it, um, you know, what crews were there, and it's pretty detailed. So we have that back, I don't know, 10 years now, all that information. So that's really helpful. So that's our, that is our uh, operations type of uh, plan, which is upgraded from when we started back in 1993. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good set of data. So specifically here at Raymond, our prairie here is a uh, planted area about four acres and when we first started planting prairies it just it was a suggestion that we heard like what are we going to do with the old agricultural fields naturally some cases we reforested other uh, times it made more sense to uh, plant them into prairie species it's it's a plant community not native to Marion County but it is several counties north and some of the plant palette that we install you know, those species are native to Marion County, but the prairie ecosystem itself wasn't. But it's a great way to reclaim uh, old agricultural fields and keep the weeds out and um, provides habitat, of course. We, uh, some of our areas, we have uh, state-listed uh, endangered uh, Henslow sparrows. Mm. This site's too small, but some of our other prairie spots, we have those. Uh, when we first started, we surveyed like all the different methods on planting, and back then, that's before it was completely, uh, before it was completely no drill like most people do now. Uh, so we, we actually hired Pete Schramm. I don't know; he's probably passed by now, but um, he was from Northern Illinois, and he came down and uh, planted this for us. We, we tilled the field. We called a uh, called a packed it. Um, and he put in um, a lot of Forbes species that did really well, but later on we ended up supplementing that with grasses mm. because we uh, we had a problem with invasion of uh, white clover here, oh. especially after we did a burn once. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we actually burned this field once, and we had an invasion of white clover, and we we got control of that, so we're going to try it again here 10 years later mm -hmm. and start doing burns. Um, this prairie has stayed fairly intact, diverse, uh, so we're fortunate there. It's mixed with Brox uh, Brookston soils, and that might have something to do with why it uh, has stayed 
nice for so long. Some of our other prairies, they'll um, they'll start going to more grass monocultures. Um, so we changed up our mix the way we did it, and we used more elemis or wild rye, and a lot less uh, of the big stature grasses like the big blue stem switch and uh, Indian grass. And we started using more Canada wild rye, uh, Virginia wild rye. And that, that's really helped us. But still, in Marion County, it seems whether we burn it or mow it or do both, you know, keep out the weeds. We have problems with um, Canada goldenrod mm -hmm. is one of the main issues. And also, um, we have problems trying to keep it diverse. Mm -hmm. And so after a while, say 10 to 15 years, We'll have um, we'll have something that we're starting to think maybe we ought to put this back into reforestation. Mm -hmm. So we had you know 10, 15 years of nice pollinator habitat, and then we go in and we plant trees, and it's still going to stay pollinator habitat till the complete prairie is canopied with trees, and then we can go in and start. You know, doing we go in and start doing understory species, uh, woodland, you know, grasses, sedges, and uh, uh, wildflowers. So, um, you know, this spot's it's one of my favorite parks, Raymond. It is isolated; it's not connected. Uh, so we have these postage stamp, older growth woodlands mm -hmm. that are scattered about. Nearby, we have Southeastway Park that has a little bit bigger, really nice older growth woodland and um, also nearby we have a Franklin Township Community Park which has restored wetlands in it and it has some older growth um, uh, wet woods that are oak dominated. Uh, the park system as a whole in Indianapolis has been blessed by a great greenway system where you can walk ride your bike um, and many of our parks are connected through waterways and railways uh, with greenways and uh, some of the greenways go through areas that are still relatively rural and others are right downtown in the city and of course how we handle the rural areas a little bit different than the uh, corridors we maintain along say like Pleasant Run and Pleasant Run and um, uh, Pogues Run and some of the other creeks uh, and um, Fall Creek, they're all a little bit different. When we start moving into the interior, um, we have grassed, uh, they used to call it Park Boulevard system. Uh, mm -hmm. Kessler in the early 1900s did the plan and that's when they started buying individual parcels and made the boulevard system. But in, a, in, in the central part of the city, um, usually what we do when we maintain a stretch, we remove the honeysuckle and we keep that at bay and we go after it once every three years. Uh, in some of those cases, we go the full restoration. We bring back the different layers. So the herb layer, the understory uh, tree layer, the shrub layer, and of course the overstory tree we, uh, species we plant. And we have several instances where we've done that in different parks. And it's you know, we started out packed with honeysuckle and winter creeper, and we ended up uh, now having real nice, you know, all the layers intact. It wasn't easy, it, and it took probably 18, 20 years to get to that point. Um, 
but we don't do that. We don't treat all the greenways like that because it just takes too much resources. And we ha we would like to protect, of course, the uh, the woodlands that have the rare, uh, globally rare, you know, spring wildflowers and have nesting habitat and uh, Kirtland snakes, the state in, uh, endangered snake. Uh, so we'd like to protect those habitats, and so we mainly that's our priority. Now, as we start moving into uh, the outer edges or outer one third of the city, um, we start getting into where the greenways connect with bigger blocks. So we have a nature preserve called Woolens Gardens. It's only 42 acres, but it's real nice ravine topography. It takes an expert to know how to get there because there's mm -hmm. no roads that lead to it. It's landlocked. Um, if you're in town, give me a holler and you can get a tour. Uh, we have something called Skiles Test Park. Uh, Skiles Test was a man that uh, owned the Indianapolis Motor Company and donated the park. Um, we also have a park connected to a greenway on the Moanon called Marat Park, and it was donated by George Marat. He was a um, he sold uh, he had a shoe uh, store back in the early 1900s, so he donated that. Connecting to that is another nice park called Holiday Park. It has our biggest fin wetland, uh, five acres in size, and it has a tufa deposit. It's a calcium deposit in it. Um, so the greenways connect a lot of different parks. So we do have connections there. In some cases, though, like Raymond, you know, it's a jewel by itself, and it sits by itself. And what we do is try to get adjoining uh, land. So, for instance, at Raymond, there's a woodland block that we're going after. It's another wet woods. It's separated by Raymond Street, but it still could be developed, <laughs> especially if the wetland rules ever allow people to, to develop without mitigating. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we'd like to lock that up. Um, and the rest of our park system hasn't been formed yet. So I like to, we like to think that the park system's only halfway done. Uh, we have the existing park system, then we are working on a land acquisition plan that has many more corridors, has a concept of a thousand acre park, mm -hmm. um, which includes multi, which will include multi-use development and um, hiking, biking trails, you know, older growth woodlands that we can capture with some of those greenways that we don't own yet. And so that's a real exciting plan that should roll out in a year and a half, and that will allow us to make bigger connections. Because um, right now, the way the old greenways are, it's mostly in the interior of the city. Some, some goes out to the edges. But um, with the new plan, we're planning on trying to acquire the full floodplain, not just, just the bank itself and maintain it in turf grass. So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at also connections outside of Marion County up to Zionsville, um, over to the west to Mooresville, uh, and so forth. Nice. So our contractors, Ecologic, do most of the work, but we also have a, a pretty sizable network of uh, friends and volunteers. And one group that we partner with probably the longest group was uh, IUPUI, Center for Earth and Environmental Sciences. They do spring and fall service learning with us, so 
they come out and they have lecture in the field they do the restoration work they talk about watersheds how you know the dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico so we have the you know that aspect of it where we partner with universities also the Indiana Native Plant Society they're a big help um, and for many years they've been helping us uh, for many years the Heartlands group of the Sierra Club helped pull garlic mustard in Marat for must have been 18 years and we got control of that over over 18 years of pulling we started out with nine 90 55 gallon trash bags full off of 16 acre woods and now we we're 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 lucky because we only get maybe two or three half-filled 55-gallon trash bags. Yeah. So it does help, but you have to pull for years and years. Mm -hmm. um, the other volunteer types of programming we do, uh, Brenda Howard, my uh, co-worker, she has a monthly, um, they call it the SWAT, in, invasive SWAT team, I, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's every month at Eagle Creek Park where they work on uh, different sections of the park and they keep going back and, and doing that. And sometimes they reintroduce um, shrubs and trees and uh, along with it in the highly disturbed areas. Um, we also have a plant land, native plant landscaping program where you can get certified with the city and it keeps the uh, your neighbors from uh, or people's neighbors from complaining about native plant gardens and they're mm -hmm. being too tall. So if they have it certified that means that they can get around the ordinance of the high weeds ordinance. Mm -hmm. And then we have a park. Uh, we, we started, I think it was four years ago now, the uh, land steward program, site steward program for parks. So we, uh, Jake Brinkman runs that for us. And people can sign up online what their interests are. They monitor the park, tell us, you know, basically another set of eyes on the park. If they're interested, they do invasive uh, species control, organize volunteer groups. And most of them are interested in doing invasive species work because that's what we have the most of. They also pick up trash. Then we have our friends groups. Um, uh, our latest friends group that just got incorporated, I'm pleased to say, is uh, Friends of Marat Woods Nature Preserve. And that's just happened within the last two months. And the, it's Marat Park Nature Preserve is a small parcel that's overused. We have problems with people building trails in the wrong place, climbing straight up hills, dogs off leash, you know, the, the, the usual stuff that urban parks have. So the friends group will uh, grow and there'll be more eyes in the park and we'll figure out a way to nicely tell people, did you know that there was a dogs on leash policy or you know, without turning people off, mm -hmm. or did you know you, well, if they see people poaching plants, which has happened at Marat, we call 911. That's what they're instructed to do, uh, take photos of license plates and things like that. So the Friends Group will also help raise money for a better trail system. Right now, uh, a lot of our trails in our natural areas don't follow the contours. It hasn't been designed. It started out maybe as a deer trail or mm -hmm. people just want to walk over by the creek. And so it's, it's, a, it's a web of trails. So we end up closing trails off and, and narrowing trails down, putting up split rail fences to keep people you know, within a certain path width. 
um, because easily, you know, if it's only 16 acres, the whole park's 89. Marat Nature Preserve is 89, but the, the high quality parts are, you know, 16, 20 acres. And that's the area that people love to go. And uh, so the friends groups are a big help um, if done right. <laughs> <laughs> So they'll they'll help us put in a new trail system, a new trail master plan. Uh, Kevin McKinney with uh, Nuvo, he's heading up the group and one of the founding members, um, along with several others there in the neighborhood. And uh, so we have our officers; they have their not-for-profit status. So that's going great. So if if you want to, you know, really take care of a park, we're looking forward to having that friends group. Uh, that will help quite a bit, especially these last this last year, because as most of you know, that our parks are getting a lot more use because of COVID, the pandemic, and it gets a lot more misuse. You know, more trash, uh, dumping, uh, just painting on trees, everything mm -hmm. you could possibly imagine. Uh, day before yesterday, somebody drove a car. They paid to get in the to uh, Eagle Creek Park drove a car down a trail, set it on fire, and then ran away. I think the car was stolen. <laughs> so the fire department had to come and put the woods out with a 160-foot fire hose. So just things like that, you know, just yeah. normal stuff. Mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> so if you, that's basically how we manage the park. There's some other projects that won't go into, but, um, uh, with our service learning groups, I often say when they come out to help, because, you know, they're college students, they're going to go out looking for a job, they might be interested in what we're doing as a career. And I always say, what you're doing is ecological restoration, not weed pulling. So don't put on your resume, <laughs> I, I volunteered for weed pulling in a park, mm -hmm. put in their ecological restoration. So I tend to ask them that several times. and um, but. And the internship is how I got started, and it's been almost 28 years now uh, since I've been with the park system. And my previous life, I worked on railroad cars. I was an inbound, outbound inspector for GATX. They made tank cars and air slides and other types of railroad cars. And I did that for about 10 years and uh, ended up Towards the end of that 10 years, I read one book. It was called The Search, Tom Brown Jr., and it led me to a nature observation and wilderness uh, tracking school. Ended up going to that. It completely changed my life. I decided I wasn't going to work on railroad cars anymore. I'd go back to school. And so after a motocross accident, I used to race motocross in a previous life, and I was laid up for three months. I ended up making plans to go back and I went to Indiana State University and um, I took the five-year program <laughs> uh, the first summer I worked in a machine shop you know working my way up to I need to start working with people because if I work in a park system I was taking park administration with an emphasis in outdoor education back then and uh, that was my background in school and I also worked seasonal work um, two years as a seasonal naturalist at um, Turkey Run State Park. Mm -hmm. I worked two years as a program director for a Boy Scout summer camp 
And then I also worked a year and a half as an intern for where I work now, the city of Indianapolis. And soon after land stewardship got formed, my predecessor, my boss, basically left for another job, which left me as a seasonal in charge of everything. And back then, we had real estate in addition, so we had to keep track of the real estate stuff. So there was a lot to learn. But um, I guess what it's it's so nice to be able to work in a career where you feel like you're making a lot of difference, and that's the biggest thing to me. When I worked on railroad cars, I, it's great. I mean, any kind of job, I, you know, I think I would be happy with for a while. But being able to, um, especially with the multiple myriads of problems in uh, the sustainability of our planet and the biosphere, um, it's great to have this job now because uh, it it makes me feel a little bit better and. Because we have an educational role, plus we have an actual on-the-ground role of preserving biodiversity in some of our best parks and growing that acres to where we can more effectively handle stormwater, which is a big issue now. So starting out in 1993, I felt pretty uh, challenged um, to start something new where it was not a lot of people heard about what do you do? Well, I work in natural areas, huh? Or I do invasive species control. Really? What for? You know, most of this stuff they haven't, back in when it was created, people were looking like, I may not have as much budget if, you know, since you're around with land stewardship, you know, you know, what exactly do you do? So, you know, you got roads and bridges, other parts of the city, you know, people that maintain turf grass and all that. Um, but now the education, thanks to everybody, including Midwest Restoration, um, the word's getting out, and it's it's great to see the exponential growth of awareness and what happens uh, when people uh, take it on themselves to volunteer uh, to start pulling out invasive plants. And um, you know, back when I first started, I looked for friends. And I have plenty of professional friends that are a lot better at me at botany, all kinds of things. And and over the years, we've developed some uh, good friendships, and many folks have helped out over the years. And so I went from not having much knowledge at all to at least being able to pull my own weight, I guess, in the stewardship restoration field. But we still lean towards... Uh, specific. So doing our deer program we have uh, Dr. Michael Jenkins from Purdue University you know, he specializes in doing uh, you know the surveys, the deer browse surveys because we do have to do deer calls mm -hmm. in Eagle Creek Park and we also uh, have uh, botanists that go out and do you know baseline surveys of the whole park or transects and we started our transect surveys uh, probably over 15 years ago, and we follow up on those to see how the forest community is changing. And, um, but it's just a great field to get into. Uh, if you're thinking about it, uh, I would encourage anybody to look into it uh, because it, over my career, my second career, uh, what I've learned in 
ecological restoration has really made hiking a lot more fun, <laughs> backpacking, uh, knowing the plants, you know, as some people say, the plant people, if you walk into a woods, it's nice to be able to point out different plants and kind of look back in time and see what's happened over time and, oh, this used to be a farm field or this used to have grazing or, you know, this is a nice place. It hasn't been touched much, you know. Um, so it, it really expands. It's almost like a, um, you know, there's a spiritual side to it or a metaphysical side that gets in with that. Uh, now they talk about forest bathing and forest meditation. You know, back in the day, you know, you'd say forest bathing. Of course, it's just a couple-year-old term probably, but, you know, people just look at you strange. Now, the medical community realizes that, you know, the cortisol levels go down in your body when you get out in the woods, uh, in natural areas. And so that really... Uh, you know, public health, the whole recreational aspect ties in with it, and it's just a, a great field to get into. And um, we're going to have an internship program. This is people have already been chosen, but uh, we're expanding the minority business participation in our contract, and so we're going to train um, a minority-owned business to become ecological restoration mm -hmm. professionals, and there'll be probably three interns. And we're going to teach them this summer how to manage woodlands, how to manage prairies, how to identify plants. So that's we're looking forward to that. And um, we want to grow the industry. I always thought that ecological restoration should be about as popular as turf grass management. Hopefully, one day. <laughs> one day. Know how to manage and restore your... your uh, you know, your city woodlands, know how to restore old agricultural fields. Let's get the system working again. So, That's thank good. you very much. No, thank you so much for meeting with me in the woods and talking about what you do. Huge thank you again to Don Miller for chatting with me about his work with Indy Land Stewardship. For more information on the work he does, you can find links in the show description as well as at midwestoration.com. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to Midwestoration on your favorite podcast app and stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for listening.